You're listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Children are going to meet Davion over here, and they'll begin to head to Children's Church. And while they're doing that, I want you to take your Bibles, go ahead and hold them in your hand, and get ready as we look to the Word of God. And we want to take a moment and pray together and pray for these kids as they, uh, as they head out the door. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day and the blessings of it. And Lord, we pray and just thank you that our enemy does not, dear Lord, he can't change our position in Christ. He can't take what has been entrusted into your sovereign and, and holy hands. Lord, we know that, Lord, we battle with sin, we battle with strongholds, but we think about Paul and Philippians and Philippians 1.6 where he said that what God has begun, God will complete. Sometimes we get discouraged and we feel defeated, but Lord, you, through the power and indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit, we are a work in progress. As Ruth Graham told Billy one day as they rode through a construction site on the highway and it said uh, a work in progress she smiled and said Billy that's us and Lord if one of the great evangelists of the world he and his wife the daughter of a missionary family that had served in China if they felt that way then Lord may we might not be discouraged when we sometimes feel discouraged because we want so much to be like you and we see so much yet ahead Lord, we thank you for the worship. Thank you for these that have led us. We pray, dear Lord, now as we go to your word, that, Lord, you just speak to our hearts, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to go ahead and let you sit down. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 John. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 John, chapter 5. And I want you to look at this verse here, chapter 5, verse 13. 1 John, chapter... 5 verse 13 and today we're going to be in school we're going to we're going to do things a little different today so you kind of bear with me I was going to stay down here on the floor but I, I think what I'll do I'll just move this up here so that everybody can see it and uh, we're going to be in school today okay so everybody say amen amen, amen. Get, it, get excited about it okay I want to write a name up here somebody tell me what this name is anybody ever known one of those yeah, name's Ed, and uh, Ed is a name that I want to teach you today that I think will make a difference in your life, and uh, I had a good friend, I have a good friend named Ed, Ed McDaniels, he's a good friend of mine, he is a no-nonsense, straight-shooting preacher that is also a retired chaplain out of the military. Ed is a unique figure, and I love Ed. So I think about Ed McDaniels. I think about a pharmacist we had in Zimbabwe. His name was Ed Moses. Ed and Missy Moses that served with us in Zimbabwe. And I think about Ed. So probably most of us in this room have known somebody sometime in our life by that name. Now let me add another letter to it. And I'm going to add the letter S. So E-D-S. And uh, perhaps we ought to put an apostrophe up there so that you can remember. Now, last week we talked about Paul in Philippians chapter 3 where 
Paul is talking about a resolve. He said, I, he said he was resolved to know Christ. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of His resurrection. He said, I want to fellowship with Him in His suffering. And then Paul said, and I'm not there yet. He said, but I'm pressing forward. I'm moving in that direction. And so that's what Paul said. And Paul said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me and I'm going forward. Now, I want to ask you three questions today, or I want to put three things in front of you that I believe can make a difference in 2019. And I want to use these letters right here to do it. Now, the first letter, the letter E, stands for evangelism. Now, I need everybody to look this way. I don't want you looking down at your Bibles. I want everybody to look up. Everybody look at me. I want to ask you a question. Have you personally shared your faith with one person in 2018? Have you had an opportunity to possibly lead one person to repentance and a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Now, how many of you have 1 John 5.13? Everybody usually will say, well, you know, Brother Jeff, I don't know how to do that. Um, I want you to understand that you and I should be involved in this. We should all be involved in evangelism. We are all, once we are saved, evangelists, which means this, we are called by God. The last thing Jesus told us, he said, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to tell as many people as you possibly can the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our primary responsibility. Once you get saved, once you go through those waters, you then unite with the local church and you start sharing your faith. You're scattering the gospel seed everywhere you go. Everybody understand? Say amen. So let me ask you again, have you personally led one person to Christ or have you even shared your faith with one person in 2018? Now everybody listen closely. If you haven't done that, then you have failed to understand the Great Commission. Because the Great Commission is simply this, go into all the world and take the gospel. You know, Tamra made an interesting observation last week as these two women came forward and gave their life to Christ. Tamara made this observation. She said one of those individuals was won to Christ by a woman who never comes to church alone. She's always bringing other people with her. Are you that kind of person? Now I want you to listen closely. I've spent about 40 years in the ministry. I've been all over the world. And there are few churches that are like this. You know people that have gotten mad and left this church have actually come back and smiled and said, well, Brother Jeff, there has never been another South Side. This is a unique church. People have made the statement when you come up onto the campus. You know we probably had 150 to 200 people here at Christmas. Do you know that the homeless and those people that are living under bridges, living in shelters, living in abandoned houses, do you know that they come here by choice? When they have all kinds of options that are in front of them. You know that there are people that have served for year after year and have made this statement, there's nothing like this church. 
Now, we may be down a little bit, but I can tell you what, there's nothing like Southside. God's given you the opportunity to be a part of a great church that has a genuine heart for Christ, but I wonder how many of us have bothered not only not to share our faith, but to invite anybody to church. You see, that E stands for evangelism. And in 1 John 5, 13, are you there? Say amen. John the Beloved writes the, he said, I write these things. Now he sums up this letter. He said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may what? So that you may what? So that you may know that you have what? Eternal life. So everybody look this way. This year, 2019, you make a commitment that I'm going to be more evangelistic. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to talk to people in my workplace. I'm going to talk to people at school. I'm going to talk to family members when they gather around me. I'm going to aggressively take the gospel and share it with other people. Next year when Brother Jeff, 2020, January, first Sunday in 2020, when Reggie or Brother Jeff asked me the question, have you shared your faith with anybody this year? I'm going to smile and say just about every single day. Now, let me tell you how you start the conversation, one way. Anytime you get into a conversation, one of the quickest ways to build a relationship with anybody, a total stranger, is to look at them and say, how's your day going? How you doing? You know most people are pretty honest. You know, a lot of people, if they think you care at all, you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, well, it's been kind of a bad day. Or a year hasn't started off very, very well. Or they'll, start kind of, they'll open up to you, they'll say something. Or you can say it this way. You know I'm getting ready to pray before I eat my lunch. And can I ask you something? Is there something that I can pray with you about? Is there something that I can pray for in your life right now? Do you know that most people will stop and they'll say, well, since you asked me, do you know how many restaurants, how many Walmarts, how many places that you and I could enter into a conversation where that's all we have to say and somebody will look at you and they'll say, well, since you asked, I want to, and then you begin to pray for them. You say, well, let, let me pray real quickly for you. And then you know what the next question is, don't you? Are you a Christian? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you given your life to Christ? Now, in 1 John 5, 13, this is a catch. And this is a great verse to memorize. Because a lot of times people will look at you and they'll say, well, I think so. I hope so. Let me ask some. If you're going to the Jackson Airport and you get ready to get on the plane, you see the pilot and co-pilot and they're in there and you look, pick, peek your head in there in the cockpit and you say, this plane is going to Atlanta, don't you, isn't it? And they say, well, we hope so. Would you get on that plane? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't. I'd turn around and get back out and get my money back. You see, you want to know for certain that you have eternal life. So John says this. John the Beloved said, these things, everything that I've written, the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the book of Revelation, John said, everything that I've written, I've written it for one reason, that you may know that you have eternal life. You know some people say you can't know? That's a lie hatched out of hell. So when somebody looks at you and they say, well, you know, I just don't know. I, I hope so. I think so. Do you know you can turn and say, well, let me show you something. And let me tell you what I, what I do a lot of times. I don't have it with me. But most of you now have a phone with a Bible app. Do you know all you have to do is go to 1 John 5, 13 and say, smile and look and say, you know what? 
God wants you to know that you have eternal life. Would you mind if I show you how you can know that you have eternal life? That you can know that for certain? That if you die, you'll go to heaven? You know what most people, and this is what you say, this is the clincher. You say to them, give me five minutes. Would you give me five minutes? If I could show you in five minutes how you can know for certain that when you die, you'll go to heaven, that you can have eternal life, would you mind giving me five minutes? And you know what most people say? Well, five minutes. And this is what you do. Don't be a Baptist preacher now. You know, we're the world's worst about sticking to the time. But, you know, you're looking down at your watch. And you're even saying, okay, I've, I've gone three minutes. Give me two more minutes. That's what you do. And this is what you say from 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. You say, these things, John said, have I written that you may what? That you may know that you have eternal life. And then you turn them over to Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Everybody knows the Roman road. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. It says, there is none righteous no, not one. That's what it says. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says we are hopelessly, we're helplessly lost. So you look at this person, you say, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says nobody's righteous. Nobody. Not me, not you, Billy Graham when he was living. Nobody. Nobody. Not John the Beloved, who's writing the words we read a moment ago. Nobody's righteous. Nobody but one. Jesus Christ. None of us are righteous. And in Romans 3.23, from 3.10, you go to 3.23. Now, everybody look this way. Listen, let me encourage you to get a small Bible that you can keep on your person. And if you don't want to do that, you've got a Bible app on your phone. And you say, well, you know, I don't read very good. You know the Bible app will read to you. You don't have any excuse. Do you know that you can put those earbuds in your ear? You know, yesterday I was walking, and I was listening to some music, and I was walking along there to Pandora, you know, and, and, and you know, the Holy Spirit, the Lord began to convict me to say, boy, you're really into this, you're worshiping, and you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to raise my hands, and I wanted to worship. I hope I can got boring that quick. Hang in there, it's going to get better. You guys don't leave yet. Always be prepared for that. Understand that you're living in a post-Christian nation that is no longer spirit. You may say, well, you know, Brother Jeff, you're mighty aggressive. Do you know that God probably allowed that little situation to remind you, to say to you, if they're going to walk out on you, preacher, if they're going to walk out on your pastor preaching from the pulpit, then they may walk out on you. Don't be upset when your friends, your family, and people look at you and say, I don't want to hear it. I don't have time for that. Don't be upset if you're ostracized in the workplace because you want to share your faith. Be prepared for that right there. There's an unrighteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, and write that. You can write out beside Romans 3.10, 3.23, which lets you know that's the next verse that you're going to. Now, everybody listen closely. Get you a Bible that you can keep on your person. Or at least use your Bible app when you have an opportunity to share your faith. 
There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're simply saying to a person, listen, nobody's righteous. We've all sinned. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And we all fall short of the glory of God. You know what sin is? Sin is messing the mark. That's what it is. God said, here's the bullseye, and the bullseye is perfection. And you and I are sitting there firing our arrows, shooting our darts, and no matter how hard we try, we can't hit the bullseye because the bullseye is a mile away. We can't even see it. So there's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, out beside 3.23, you simply put this verse, 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. You know what the payoff, I remember the Zimbabwe word, the word in Shona, mubairo. Mubairo means the wages. The wages, the pay for our life of sin isn't death. Now let me explain death to you. Jesus said, don't fear the one that can kill the body. A lot of people say, well, you know, when I die, that's it. It's over with. You know, everybody's cremating nowadays. We've kind of gotten into that. We think, well, you know, if I can just cremate and take my ashes and just sprinkle them out far enough, then maybe God won't find me. God has the blueprint to every single person he's ever created. He can call you the dust you came out of and dust you'll return. That's what he started with and he has no problem calling you back up out of the dust. And let me remind you of something. David, King David is dust. So um, the wages of sin is death. And Jesus said, don't fear the one that can kill the body. Fear the one that can kill the what? So. In fact, God tells Adam, he said, listen, the day you eat of this tree, he tells Adam and Eve, you'll die, die. What he's saying is you'll spiritually die and you'll physically eventually die as well. For the wages of sin is death, but look at the next part of that verse, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what you say whether you're in South Sudan, whether you're in Zimbabwe, whether you're in Uganda, whether you're down here on Belvedere. That's what you say to a lost world. Listen, the good news is, is that Jesus Christ is a gift of our Creator to fallen man. For the gift of God is Jesus Christ our Lord. Now out beside that, you can swap these around. Romans 5, 8, listen. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the penalty. That's what you're going to say to people. He paid the penalty. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. We're separated from God. There's nothing we can do to change that. What we could not do, God did through his son, Jesus Christ. He's the gift of eternal life. He demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were sinners, he died for us on the cross. What are we going to do with that? Out beside that, you can put Romans 10, chapter 9, that if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. Did you hear that? If we will confess with our mouth. Homo legeo in the Greek, it means we say the same thing as God says about our sin. We repent of our sin and we reach out and we receive Jesus Christ as Lord, as Master. 
If we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. Verse 13, if you want to add to that, you say, for the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now some of you parents in this room, do you know how to share the faith with your own child? I've given you the Roman road, if nothing else, to walk your kids through it. Because I can guarantee somebody like Amelia, Amelia's smart. And I promise you this much, she will probably approach David and Deidre when she sees a baptismal service or when she attends children's church down there and she may say to her mom and dad at a very, very young age, Mom, Dad, I want to do that right there. That's what I want to do. I want Jesus to be in my heart. And David and Deidre will have the opportunity to walk her down the Roman road. A lot of times what we would do on the mission field, we would simply do it this way. We just simply draw two hills with a cross between it. And we just simply say there's something that separates man from God. If God's here, and, and man, it's real simple. And here's man, and here's God. Then something separates man from God, it's sin. And Jesus Christ, when He went to the cross... He paid the penalty of our sin and provided a way for us to move from a relationship without God. He took care of our sin. He covers over our sin and provides a way for us to be right with God. I am the way, Jesus said, and the truth and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. For every parent in this room, it's simply that simple. Whether it's Junior, whether it's Elam, it's that simple right there. Whether it's Lily. You're just simply saying to your children, this is how you give your life to Christ. You put your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross and you realize that He's paid the penalty of your sin. So everybody in this room and everybody who listens on our podcast or listens on the, on the website, every person in this room now has an understanding of what it means to share your faith. And now let me tell you, you'll either do it or you won't. Because you're living in a very, very difficult time to do it. And, and let me tell you, your kids are going to be in an even more difficult society where more and more Christians are being ostracized and alienated and the message is no longer relevant to our modern day. But you better teach your kids anyway. You know what I told our men this morning? I said, let me tell you why God loved David. Because he was passionate about God. Oh, he messed up a lot. But God loved him because he was passionate. I said, passion is something we lack in the church today. And I made this statement. And when I said it, some of your husbands did like this as if water was thrown in their face. I said, what you are passionate about will be what your children are passionate about. This is it. I mean, church is just a... A little sideshow that you occasionally tend. If you seldom read your Bible, they never hear you share your faith. If you don't pray, if you don't exemplify what it means to walk with Christ, then don't be surprised if the kids don't care about it either. Eventually, they leave the church and never come back. I didn't. There are a lot of people that don't. When you send your kids to college, it doesn't mean they leave the faith, that they leave the church. 
I can remember sitting in a political science and a pre-law major, sitting in a class in Mississippi State, and the professor and the class were laughing as they were reading a passage out of the book of Judges. And to this day, I'll never forget that moment at Mississippi State. But I can tell you this much, it didn't, it didn't dampen my spirit. It didn't cause me to abandon and forsake the faith. In fact, if anything, it drove the roots down even deeper. You see, are you going to be evangelistic? Number two, and we'll move quickly and we'll close in a moment. That D stands for discipleship. You know, Jesus didn't say make converts. He said what? Make disciples. Let me ask you something. In 2018, did you take your life and invest it in somebody? Discipling, growing, helping them to mature and develop as a follower of Christ. Did you do that this year? Let me ask you this. Would you be willing to do it in 2019? If you're a parent, every day should be invested in evangelizing and discipling your children until they come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. They should expect every day, Dad, Mom, you're too busy to share your faith. You're too busy. And God will deal with you. Every day. You're discipling your children. You say, well, they're not even saved yet. You're telling them the stories of, of many that he preached on, of King David in a cave. And he, he gave some analogies and began to talk about sometimes how we feel like we're in a cave. Talked about anxiety and depression and dealing with those things. You see, now let me say this. You are discipling and you're being discipled. Let me ask you, do you have anybody right now that you're pouring into, that you're discipling? We had two young ladies that have come to Christ. But I wonder who feels a burden right now to say to them, listen, can I meet with you weekly and disciple you and help you begin to understand and grow and mature in the body of Christ? Can I be an accountability partner for you? Can you and I meet once a week? Every one of us ought to be in an LTG, a life transformation group. Some of you have let it fall by the wayside. You better pick it back up. Why? Because you need to be discipling people and you need to be discipled. And we need to be in small groups of accountability. So every one of us in 2019 need to begin to look. I meet with WH, uh, CJ, and Willie. And we meet every Tuesday. Now I'm discipling those men, but those men have a responsibility to find other people to disciple. Now, the last one is the S. Now, some in this room don't think I'm picking on you because there's some in this room, they do that. The last word is service. If you want 2019 to be a year that can be productive spiritually, then you and I need to understand that we need to be about evangelism. We need to take our faith and share it anywhere and everywhere we can. Listen, you say, man, I am not comfortable with that. That's not my nature. I promise you. Well, let me ask you this. If you won, if you won Reader's Digest, Publisher's Clearinghouse, what is it, $5,000 a week for your lifetime and the lifetime of somebody you designate after you die, would you have problems telling, I'm just so shy. 
I'm just not comfortable talking about the good news of getting $5,000 a week for the rest of my life. Is that even in our nature? We don't, we're not that much. What? We naturally tell people good news. If you won $5,000 a week for the rest of your life, let me tell you something, you'd be telling everybody. You'd tell a total stranger. Somebody would be standing in line at Walmart and you'd be there doing like this. You'd be just like this. Wait until somebody asks you what you're so happy about. What you so happy about? Man, I want the Reader's Digest Publishers Clearinghouse. I got $5,000 a week for the rest of my life. And guess what? On top of that, I get to give that to somebody else when I die. You couldn't wait to tell people. You'd be on the phone telling people. You'd tell people everywhere. You'd be all excited. And if it really meant anything to you, you would also be blessing the lives of other people. Right? You see, when you and I truly are walking with Christ, we begin to share our faith. And you say, well, I'm not very comfortable at it. Well, then start off by just giving a track away. Give a track away. Just hand somebody a track. Say, read this and, and I'll get back with you. At least do that. But here's evangelism. Second is what? Discipleship. Third is what? Is service. You just start serving the Lord. Let me ask you something. What are you doing for the Lord right now? Is there any position, any, any, any work, any place right now that you said, you know, um, in 2019, well, in 2018, was there something that you did on a regular basis as, a, as an act of service in the name of Jesus Christ and for the furthering of God's kingdom? Anything. We got buildings that are falling down. They're literally falling down. I mean, literally. Plasters falling out of the wall. Sheila and I cleaned up. It was all falling there, and it may be falling again. Y'all are sitting in a dangerous place there, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, we got buildings. We got gutters that need to be cleaned. That's probably it. Do you know, Dad, the power of you bringing your kids, getting the keys to this church, and coming up here working? You may say, well, you got four pretty good kids. Let me tell you what one thing they were raised to do. We always worked on the church. In England, I can remember being up three stories on scaffolding and telling the boys as I was in this old church in England, I told Ledge and Jeffrey, I said, guys, I said, I believe that somebody's going to get saved today. We're going to have an opportunity to share our faith. I'm up there working in this old cold, bitter day in England, working in this church that had been left literally, it was a dump, it had trash in it, we were cleaning it up, and I was painting and working on it. I'm up on the third scaffolding, level of scaffolding, if I fell, I'd die with my two sons watching me. And, and all of a sudden, both of those boys came in there, and they are beside themselves. They said, Dad, come down, get down here quick, we've got a man that wants to get saved. And this poor British guy just happened to be walking by. I don't know what he said, and I don't know what the boys, I still don't know what they said to him, but this poor old British man was cornered, and they said, this guy, Dad, wants to be saved. Let me tell you, I came down off that scaffolding and shared the faith of that man. And as far as I remember, he did get saved. Some of you in this room need to take serious your responsibility to do everything you can to work on these buildings and get them where they need to be. 
Some of you are in places of service, but let me tell you something. You know what you do? You give token service to it. You're, you're undisciplined, uncommitted. You do it, but you do it half-heartedly. Your heart's not in it. And you know why we don't say anything to you? It's because we're scared you'll leave. We don't, even bother, we don't even bother to correct anybody. We don't tell nobody nothing in this church no more. Whatever function, whatever job you do, we never approach you anymore as to raising the standards and doing your job better. We accept your mediocre, half-hearted commitment because the reality is we're scared you'll just leave. And for an inner city church that's struggling and the ministries that we do of giving people lunches and ministering to the homeless and ministering to more people on Wednesday night than we have in this room, the only reason we bottom line do what we do by pacifying you and coddling you is the reality is that the loss that this church would take would take place if this church was not in this community. Bluntly, we just pretty much kiss your butts. And I would venture to say that if, if you in this room don't take the S serious, this church may not be here much longer. And let me tell you, if Southside closes, you will feel it reverberate across this city, across this state, across this nation, and around the world. And you may say, Brother Jeff, look at us, we ain't much. We just sent $2,500, which has doubled the annual salary of six people, of, of three people. We sent $2,500, 800 bucks a piece between three pastors, three churches, and a critical people that are dying right now because they don't have food to eat. We hand out sack lunches every, every day. We're not in the food network because we don't want to do the paperwork and embarrass people when they come for help. So we let people get whatever they need out of our food pantry. We give homeless sleeping bags, homeless meals, homeless coffee, homeless pastries, sack lunches every day, food every day. People in Zimbabwe and around the world are affected by this church. But beyond that, the reality is that the the impact of this church is felt in the lives of people. A group who were here started a church in, this, in the Metro Jackson area. Another group, Soul City, started because that man was convicted by what he heard from this church. There's a church in New Orleans that started. They emailed you and I because of the impact of this church. So you and I in 2019 will either be serious about IDS, evangelism, discipleship, service, but you got to get saved. You got to get genuinely saved like these two ladies. I'll be honest with you. I wondered if you'd be back. Well, I wondered if you'd be back today to be baptized. You don't know how proud I was when I walked out and, and, and Reggie, right? Reggie's standing there in his shorts and the praise team is just teasing, the, teasing him to death. 
And he's standing there in his shorts and his socks and his T-shirt looking at us. And he and I walked out, and I said, well, are they here yet? And he said, well, I hadn't seen them yet. They hadn't shown up yet. And about that time, both of you come walking down the hallway. You know what Reggie and I wanted to do? We wanted to just shout. Because there's nothing better than seeing somebody come to Christ, be baptized, and then be discipled. And they were in Sunday school. You've got to get saved. Genuinely, real. Revelation 3.20, stand. Go ahead and stand. Revelation 3.20, you know what it says? 19 and 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. That's Jesus. He's talking to the church at Laodicea. What's our natural tendency when we hear that at the door? What do we do? What do we do? We answer it. Now, in South Jackson, you may look out the window first. In fact, in most places now, you look out the window. And if it's a preacher, you go, kids, be quiet. It's Brother Reggie. Get out. Shh, be quiet for the preacher. Hopefully you don't do that. We hope not. But when we hear that, we get up, we say somebody's at the door, and we go to the door. Jesus said this. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, and Jesus said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In in Ephesians, Paul uses the word akuo. It means to hear. In Revelation, he said, he that hath ears to hear what the Spirit says, let him hear. The word church, ekklesio, ekkaleo, called out, you hear. He said, Adam, where are you? A dead man. A dead man. Spiritually said, God, I'm here, Eve and I are here. Ekkaleo, ecclesia, church. We've heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and we've responded to it. That's what it means. Now remember, what you're passionate about, kids will be passionate about. Some of you young parents, you think, well, I'm... I'll do it in time. Well, let me tell you. you want me, let, me, let me send you to a dozen homes of absolute just brokenness and let you see what happens when you neglect to disciple and evangelize your own people in your own household. You think God will make an exception for you? This is the priority of every household in this church. It ought to be this right here. I'm going to do everything I can to evangelize the people in my home. I'm going to do everything I can to disciple the people in my home. I'm going to do everything I can to serve the Lord, and the people in my home will see that. But you've got to get saved. And when you hear Christ knocking on your door, and you can tell when it happens. She heard Christ, my wife heard Christ knocking on the door through a friend that had such a smile on her face in college, her life a widow at 19 years of age, a freshman in college, Holmes Junior College, a widow, 19 years old, buried her husband, who looked at somebody whose life seemed to be filled with joy and said, Karen, what is it about you? Karen said, I got Jesus. I know Jesus. Do you want to know him? And she gave her life to Christ. And let me tell you something, God has taken her all... She had her birthday yesterday... She just turned 50. No, I'm teasing. But she's gone all over the world taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
For me, in an office one day, hearing two people talking in a hallway, I realized I was not where I needed to be with the Lord. I knelt down in that office, gave my life to Christ. And to this day, when people go to that church, if they know me, they smile and say, come here, I'll show you where your pastor got saved. In Amy's case, they showed my daughter, this is where your dad prayed to receive Christ right here. Have you given your life to Christ? Are you sold out? Is he the Lord and master of your life? Are you saved? Do you know for certain if you died, you'd go to heaven? Because John said this, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that? Well, I, I, I'll do it one day. Wow. The Bible says God will not always strive with a man. Do you know that? You don't come to God on your schedule. You come to God on His. It's not a matter of the knocking. What happens is your heart starts getting harder. You say no. And before long, though the knock is going on, you, you don't hear it anymore. You're dead to it. And one day you don't hear it at all. If Christ is speaking to your heart and you've never given your life to Christ, then this is the best thing you can do today for the new year. First, be saved, genuinely saved. Secondly, if you're saved here today, then to do an honest appraisal of your life. Listen, some of you come up, you tell me about your kids and grandkids. Listen, I don't want to hear it. I really don't want to hear it. If your kids and your grandkids are not walking with the Lord, then that should be the burden of your heart above everything else. If you want me to be involved in that, if you want Reggie to be involved in it, if you want people to go and share the faith with your children and grandchildren, we're glad to do that. If you want to talk about how your children your grandchildren are serving and following the Lord, then hey, we want to hear that. But if it's just to say that, man, my kids, are, man, they're making a lot of money, they got good educations, they got this, listen, that ain't worth a dime. If you're not going to see them in heaven one day. Are you saved? And if you're not, look this way. It's as simple as this. You repent of your sin. You say, God, I'm a sinner. But I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and I know that he paid the penalty of my sin, and I ask him to come into my heart to forgive me, to be the Lord, the master of my life and when he does and it's real and you know it you can't help but be baptized and you can't help but share it it's a lot better than five thousand dollars a week for the rest of your life let's pray our heavenly father we thank you lord that you love us and we pray now as we go into this time of invitation Lord, we watched this service begin with people who gave their life to Christ and followed in believers' baptism. And Lord, what a joy it would be to see a man or a woman, a boy or girl, who would come today and say, Brother Jeff, I want Jesus to come into my heart. The Bible says that if we will repent of our sin and confess and put our faith and trust in Christ, the Bible says it even so simple as to say, if you'll call on the name, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not very complicated. When I was a second grade kid, I was running with the wrong little boy. And old Tommy talked me into a swimming one day and I went out into the deep end and I couldn't swim and I was drowning. 
I can see that as plain as a little seven-year-old kid, chunky little fella, looked about like my little grandson Caleb, and I was going down. I was dying. And both arms were raised up just like where they were a moment ago in worship. And I could see the sun through that crystal clear water, Coquina Pit, they called it, when all of a sudden a Seminole Indian, a beautiful specimen of a man, long black hair, shoulders tan, looked like an angel. He reached down into that water, treading water himself, lifted me out of that water with one hand. It's the equivalent of a man picking up Caleb with one hand who is solid, filled with uh, uh, just undoubtedly muscle. He just picked me up as if I was a rag doll, set me on his back and swam me to the other side into safety. Lord, if there's one here that needs to be saved, may they say, Lord Jesus, I repent. I confess that I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer in your minute, you come as we sing.